0: Greetings, and welcome to Pops Collection, where we dissect and reflect on a movie or TV show from a Pops Collection. I'm Ron Tweedy, joining me is Pops, and today we will be discussing Wonder Woman.
1: Wonder Woman.
0: Hey, everybody.
1: So, Ron, how's it going? It's going pretty well. How about you? I'm going to say, doing fine. I am going to uh, precursor our show and apologize ahead of time. Should something happen, uh, today uh the pastor, which he announced last week and I forgot, was Chili Day. Mm. So after the service, there were uh, about eight or nine crock pots with different chilies. Okay. And so I just want to tell you that I did try quite a few different kinds of chilies, some uh-huh. of them five alarm some of them six alarm okay uh anyway so if i do accidentally uh belch i hope that you'll be able to take it out yeah and if my stomach makes some noise yep in note, right nope. anything's nope. possible no problem well we'll get
0: it fixed in post
1: okay that's great good deal uh so you had a good week yeah, yeah. So far, so good. All right, good. I'm glad to hear that. And uh do want to say thoroughly enjoyed uh, this movie again uh-huh. as many times as I've seen it. It never ceases to amaze the little different snippets that you pick up the more you watch, you know? Uh-huh. But it was uh, definitely a good DC movie. Hmm. As a matter of fact, uh, Rotten Tomatoes... Decided that it was the fourth best superhero movie of all time. I don't know how they came up with that. Yeah. They did rate that that way. You know, I'm thinking a lot more than four better, but hey, uh-huh. it's all good, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So did you get a lot of information on this Wonder Woman?
0: Uh, I did. And I'm actually going to... um. We're we're going to probably not go into too much depth of it. It turns out that the creator behind Wonder Woman, who is his name is William Moulton Marston, yes, and he actually created Wonder Woman. And turns out he did he didn't have the most moral life. Some of the origins of the character Wonder Woman has some uh, issues that uh, we're not going to explore on a podcast that is not uh, higher than a PG thirteen rating so i I won't get to that, but one interesting thing about him is that he also was the inventor of the polygraph, which uh we'll see uh Wonder Woman has a device that is uh similar in uh, in nature, which is uh interesting
1: yes, as a matter of fact, I know that origin too, and I know we weren't going to go down that road. I was definitely planning not to go down that road, yeah, but actually his wife. They were both scientists, both graduates of Harvard. Right. They were the ones that developed it was called the systolic blood pressure measurement. Right. And it's they were the ones that discovered that that could that varied when you weren't telling the truth. Mhm. So they basically was the was the prototype uh, lie detector. Yeah. Which like you said had something to do with part of Wonder Woman's tools. Mm-hmm. or weapons as you could call them right also he, he did base some of her character off of his wife yeah along with others but we're not going to go there
0: right the other thing that is uh interesting about this is that his impetus for creating a character for the comics is that he believed that they weren't being utilized properly, uh, that there, there was more potential for comics to do. And his character creation of Wonder Woman was part of that. He wanted to forward his own agenda um, about advancing women in the culture. And, uh, you know, he clearly, through interviews and things that he've said, he said, he believed that women were superior and that they deserved to be, uh, to have a more active role in society and culture. And uh, we can tell that the character definitely does reflect that, maybe not necessarily in uh, the later iterations of Wonder Woman, but that that it was definitely the origin of the character.
1: Right. And, you know, to some extent, his agenda, he went way overboard with his agenda as far as that goes. Yeah. The woman as a partner for the wife and husband or just a woman, single woman in general. I have to just say that uh, coming from a single mother raising three children, I'd have to say that she was a very strong woman to be able to do all that she did to raise us from little ones. Mm -hmm. Being that my father, you know, basically abandoned us. Yeah. So there is some validity to some of what he says, but again, he was pushing a whole nother agenda.
0: Yeah, which so, so I can respect that it, he, he realized that narrative that, you know, the thing that we kind of talk about every week on the show does uh, have a worldview and it pushes a certain worldview. We, we see these implications every week. And this one, the author or the creator of this character was very upfront about that. And he realized that. So at, at least we have all the cards he has. We have all of his cards on the table and we can recognize that the the other thing that i would say is that and i get we we could i guess we should get into it now is that this thought of one is better than the other that is completely anti-biblical what what we see right at the beginning of genesis god created male and female in his own image right so equal in value but different in function and that is what we would ascribe to here and um We'll see uh, how that plays out uh, in this movie.
1: Right. Two make a whole. Correct. They're two pieces of a puzzle that fit together to become one. Yep. Again, like our old pastor used to say, one is superior in one part while another is superior in another. And they work with each other in a marriage to form... Uh, to keep each other on the right track and not to be over aggressive in one part of their character and totally abandoning another part. We help each other to become a whole person. It just makes us better. Right. All right. So, but like you said, he was totally upfront about it. So you knew right, at, you know, what was going to happen. You had that idea.
0: Right. And, and we should also say that this is a very old character from all the way from october 1941 so we're talking just before america gets into world war ii this character premieres and at the very beginning of the comic line she actually is uh, fighting alongside world war ii and doing all kinds of things right what one interesting thing about this character wonder woman is that she has gone through multiple iterations and different storylines and different things that have happened to her throughout the years there was a time in the 1970s where she lost her powers and she was just uh, being a, a lawyer, I believe, or a journalist, one of the two. There, there, people always seem to be lawyers and journalists in comics. But yes. uh, that, that happened. Uh, there was a big backlash about it because they were trying to make her relevant with the uh, second wave feminist movement in the 1970s. It's, it, it's interesting to look at all those things. However, the... Interesting thing about this is that this movie, which was released in on June 2nd, 2017, is the first feature-length Hollywood picture featuring Wonder Woman.
1: Right, yes. There was a made-for-TV version way back when. Right. And there was also a TV series with Linda Carter.
0: Very popular uh, TV series.
1: Very, very popular. Yeah. They still try to push this movement the feminine thing yeah and actually dc used the same type of marketing right that they did for their tv series supergirl Uh uh-huh and there was a huge increase or it was or they were able to calculate how many female superhero fans there were Uh uh-huh based on their marketing with the supergirl yeah t v series and they used the same approach for the Wonder Woman yeah movie when yeah. they did the marketing for that and it was highly successful right they wound up making uh eight hundred and twenty two mil and not spending as much uh, like one seventy five only yeah oh, one fifty to one seventy five mm-hmm. they said but again it was this whole there was all this controversy about this movie that I totally did not know about. For instance, Gail Gadot, the girl that plays Wonder Woman. Right, yeah. Turns out uh there were some of the writers uh that actually wanted Angelina Jolie to play the part, which I don't can't see that. Or Kate Beckinsale was also uh yeah, one that they had wanted. Now she had done, you know, a couple of the uh underworld yeah. yeah, underworld movies. Yeah. Yeah. So and she, she did do actually a graphic novel movie. It names escapes me up right now, but it was a uh, about Antarctica and uh, it was a murder mystery down in Antarctica. But anyways, yeah. So they really weren't all that hip. Only one person was hip on it and she that's how she wound up getting the part. Yeah. The film was banned in Lebanon and Algiers and Qatar and a lot of Arabic companies because uh, she was not only Miss Israel of 2004, but she spent two years in the Israeli defense force.
0: Well, yeah, we, we should say that every Israeli citizen is compelled to be in the Israeli defense force for two years. So that that's not uh, – she's just her nature being from Israel. That's, that was going to be a natural consequence of that.
1: Right, but they tried to use her military service as a reason why they banned it. Yeah, I can see that. But there were some that actually, there were some of the countries, like Jordan, where they took them to court and they actually took away the ban and allowed it to be shown there. Huh. She was also in, like, the fourth Fast and the Furious movie. Uh Uh-huh. And they never banned that. Yeah. You know, but here, but maybe because it's the woman's thing. Maybe. You know? Because, you know, there was also a tiff in Austin, Texas. There's a place called the Animal Draft House. I do remember that, the story. Yeah. And had a woman's only showing. Yeah. As, and it's like they were doing it totally innocent. And yet there were guys that
0: got all hot and bothered about it. You know? Well, let's let's just think about that critically for a second. If they had a men's only showing for Superman... People would not have, people would be freaking out about that. True? True.
1: You're always going to offend somebody, you know? Yeah. It was kind of uh, the funny part of that story to me was the draft house said that they didn't realize that they were discriminating. You know, they didn't do it as a discrimination thing. So, as a peace offering Mm -hmm. or a settlement offering, they offered the wonder woman dvd when it came out uh for free as as like a settlement so uh-huh. hey if you are offended by that come get the dvd you know we'll yeah. give you a free dvd
0: it's like really well <laughs> okay and the other thing that gets me about that is that okay obviously everybody discriminates it's not it's not like not normative for us to do that i mean for instance when i go out to eat i discriminate against uh places that don't serve food That I like, you know, I will discriminate against a lot of different uh, types of food that I don't like. and That's okay. It's not like it's a bad thing. The other thing about it is that this society can't even decide what defines what a woman or a man is. And they're going to talk about this right now? I mean, really? Come on. (laughs) That is true. I think
1: that people are trying to, you know, there are people that want their agenda To be picked out to whereas there's a a gender issue uh, when there, you know, really isn't. They're making it something that it isn't, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I find somewhat, without trying to offend anybody, I find it pretty ridiculous,
0: you know? Well... It doesn't matter what you say or do; you're going to be offended, offensive by, to somebody. So let's just—that's true. Yeah, and our commitment's not to in offense; it's to God's word. So we're not going to back away from that.
1: Absolutely not. All right. So we start, like you said, the origin story is in uh, World War Two. Yes, that's correct. And they varied from that in the movie by making it in World War One. Yes, yeah. we deal with the Kaiser. Yep. We deal with some different characters, and I actually found out not like DC at all. Mm -hmm. They actually have a character in the movie who was a real person. Okay. Yes, and when we get to him, I'll tell you a little bit about him.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, because when I was uh, working on getting the clips for the the episode, Riv uh, came in and asked me, well, what's this story all about with Wonder Woman? I'm like, well... If you have a cross between Captain America's origin story and Thor's origin story, you kind of get something like Wonder Woman, except that move it one more back, and instead of it North, Norse mythology, Greek mythology, and yes. there you go. <laughs> so you basically confused him even more. No, he totally got it. Oh, good.
1: Well, then yeah. I'm I'm proud of him. He's a bright kid. Yes, he is. All right, so I feel that they attempted to play it close to the original origin story they tried somewhat
0: yeah i would say so like you said uh, the the time timing is a little bit different but other than that very similar
1: yes and i love the way they uh, did the hiding
0: of the island i thought that was pretty cool oh yeah definitely yeah we'll, we'll talk more about that when we when we get to it but let's get started Okay. If uh, you'll remember, all the way back to when we finished up Batman v Superman, so that was several episodes ago. We'd obviously, uh, it's not required for you to listen to that beforehand, but we would encourage you to absolutely because at the beginning of this film, it kind of immediately happens after the events of that uh, movie. So that's true. Yes. What we see here, and we're going to get a, an opening monologue and some narration from the main character, Diana. Uh, wonder woman herself and uh what she's going to be looking at is uh, she's going to her job somewhere in france and she's getting a uh she's receiving a photograph from uh, wayne enterprises and so let's listen to what her opening monologue is and then we'll talk about it afterwards
2: i used to want to save the world this beautiful place But I knew so little then. It is a land of magic and wonder, worth cherishing in every way. But the closer you get, the more you see the great darkness simmering within. And mankind? Mankind is another story altogether. What one does when faced with the truth is more difficult than you think. I learned this the hard way. A long, long time ago. And now. Same.
0: So this photo that we see. It's actually, Ron, it's
1: its not a photo. It's a photo plate. Back in when they originally made photographs, they had this plate that they would take the cover off the lens and that would somehow project to the picture and it would etch on this plate. Okay. And then they would cover the hole up. We'll see that later in the movie. Right. That etching plate is something that they could do photographs multiple times. Okay. So
0: her getting that plate means that nobody else could have that picture. Understood. Okay. Thank you for that clarification. um, I'm not really up to to speed when it comes to historical uh, photographing technology and techniques. So thank you. Okay. Well, when I was in college, I took a photography class. So yeah, there you go. That's the only reason I know a little bit about that, but not much. No, that's good. Thank you. Uh, it helps. So, as we said, there's an old photo plate. She's, it, it's obviously her, uh, or around the same uh, age, looks like, and then with some really roughed up soldiers around her. So now we go back instead of going forward and we go, go back. back in time. Right, exactly. We're going back to around that time. But we're away from the rest of the world. We're going back to the mythical island of Themyscira.
1: Yes, we see a child running, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yep. And uh, they're calling out to her, and we see all we see is women. Yes. We're getting an idea. It looks really old. It looks like ancient Greece, right. kind of. You know, they're dressed in that fashion. Uh huh, and she's just running. We start getting uh, to see more and more women. Right. Interesting enough, we actually see them fighting with each other. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And training. Yep. Which I I wanted to mention that when the character that the actress that plays Wonder Woman, uh huh, when she was in Batman v Superman, yes. She went through a lot of enhanced training, and she actually did a lot of her own stunts. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. She, uh, jujitsu, kung fu, quite a few different things that she learned how to do. So Mm. she's definitely a very athletic actress. Okay. Back to the story. We have a little Diana. We keep hearing somebody yell for Diana. Right. She's like up on a hill looking over at them practicing their fighting techniques. Yeah. And she's doing the same thing. Right. Up high.
0: Yep. She wants to train with the soldiers, but uh, Hippolyta, which is her mother, says, no, you're not doing that. You're not, we're not going to be a warrior. Uh, We have other plans for you. And so later that night, she is being put to bed by Hippolyta. Again, she's asking, well, why can't I train? Why can't I be a warrior? And Hippolyta's telling her that war is not something to be desired. There's no real glory. And in- there's no, uh, sorry, glory is not the right word. There is no beauty to war. War is not like this, you know, great thing. It's actually something that's to be avoided because it's, it's ugly. And Hippolyta tells her a story about what happened between the Amazons, which are th- their people and men and gods and all that stuff. So let's listen to that story time and we'll, we'll come back and talk about uh, some of the differences that uh, we can see from there.
3: Long ago when time was new and all of history was still a dream the gods ruled the earth. Zeus king among them. Zeus created beings over which the gods would rule. Beings born in his image, fair and good, strong and passionate. He called his creation man, and mankind was good. But Zeus' son grew envious of mankind, and sought to corrupt his father's creation. This was Ares, the god of war. Ares poisoned men's hearts with jealousy and suspicion. He turned them against one another, and war ravaged the earth. So the gods created us, the Amazons, to influence men's hearts with love and restore peace to the earth. And for a brief time, there was peace. But it did not last. Your mother, the Amazon Queen, led a revolt that freed us all from enslavement. When Zeus led the gods to our defense, Ares killed them, one by one, until only Zeus himself remained. Zeus used the last of his power to stop Ares. Striking such a blow, the god of war was forced to retreat. But Zeus knew that one day Ares might return to finish his mission. An endless war, where mankind would finally destroy themselves and us with them. So Zeus left us a weapon, one powerful enough to kill a god. With his dying breath. Zeus created this island to hide hide us from the outside world, somewhere Ares could not find us. And all has been quiet ever since.
0: Okay, so listening to that audio just now makes me think that there's actually two narrators in that. I don't know if you can catch up. Did if you've picked up on that?
1: Yeah, kind of. It sounded like there was, right? Yeah.
0: So I'm thinking that one of them, obviously, is Hippolyta, which is Diana's mother, and then some of the lines saying that you know your mother, Queen of the Amazons, obviously Hippolyta. I don't think she talks in the third person. That might be Antiope, which is another character that yes. is willing to train Diana. And what, what we see throughout the story that's being told there is that Diana is sneaking out and training with Antiope.
1: Yes, At, which is her mother's sister. Right. At least that's what they say.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's kind of confusing. And the, the other thing is that Hippolyta also tells a little bit about uh, the creation of Diana. Uh, she wasn't born normal way. She was actually formed from clay, and Zeus magically gave her life, which is kind of wacky. Yeah, it is.
1: You know, there are—you could somehow— some similarities to christianity and some of these are are attempting him attempting to or them attempting to you know like uh for me aries could be another depiction of satan as one who they say that zeus created man yeah and that aries was jealous and he didn't like Zeus's creation so he wanted to corrupt them correct so you could kind of have that a little bit of analogy of something like that
0: well so I think that it's in some ways yes but I think the important distinction that we uh, should make is that Ares in this particular part of the story like you said he has um, some influence on them to do evil right Right. The difference is that Satan, he does play a role in the corruption of man, but he does it by deception. So man willingly goes into sin and uh, gets that sin nature, but it's not, Satan was not a direct cause. He was an indirect cause of the fall of man. Correct. Correct. And the other thing we need to make a distinction of is that Satan is not the son of of god he is a creation of god he is a lesser being so that's another right right he
1: was an angel correct right whereas Ares, they say was zeus's brother son or okay son and yeah. then uh also we have the distinction that they're gods that can be killed so they're not yeah you know almighty god yeah you know Ares winds up killing all the other gods plus they say that ares is the god of war. Yes. So we know that also about him.
0: Yeah, we'll uh we'll talk a little bit more about ares when we we confront him in the I have a lot to say about that. Uh interesting. But uh yeah, well we'll come back to that later.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. There's a uh, again uh <laughs> you, you know that when I watch these movies uh, a lot of times it's for entertainment only. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And there's a quite a few parts in this movie that are just entertainment only. You kind of can look at them and say <laughs> no way. Yeah. That's yeah. that's that would never happen, you know or Right. There are certain things in it, but all in all, really good. I am definitely uh this is much better than TM and T3 and Suicide Squad definitely. Oh yeah,
0: no doubt. That's definitely true. Yeah, so the Next part of the scene, Diana asks uh, Hippolyta to take a look at the god killer, which is shown to her. There's a sword in this armory, and Hippolyta says that's the god killer. And so, obviously, Diana, given her inclinations, she really is enamored with it. She wants to touch it. That's something that happens uh, as well. Anyway, right? And Hippolyta basically says that, okay, this is where it is, this is what it is, but I hope that we never, ever have to use it, which I think is actually a really good— thing to think about. And it definitely, especially as a man, we are tasked with being protectors of the people that God has put us over. And there is, I think, a lot of truth to that, that we need to figure out ways or learn ways to protect our people. And what you do, and you see this in in real life, you know, particularly people who are formidable in martial arts or some other way of uh, hand-to-hand combat, is that uh, they, the way that they carry themselves, uh, they always go the extra mile to avoid a fight, if at all possible. But once it's on, it's on, and forget it. Right,
1: as a last resort. Right. Which, after they used, I think you could use that analogy with the atomic bomb. Oh, no doubt. When they used it on Japan, it became more of a deterrent, that, and then everybody had to have them. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're not going to have another world war because it would be the end of everything.
0: Right. Mutually assured destruction is what they called it.
1: Yes, yes. And so you could see that being the case, that analogy would fit in
0: real well with the god killer. So we uh, move on a little bit more further in time. Dana's a little bit older, and she's still secretly training with Antiope and Hippolyta finds out about it, not happy, but Antiope convinces Hippolyta that this is the right thing to do, and so Hippolyta says, okay, well, continue training her, but you're going to train her harder than anybody else, you're going to make her the best warrior that we have, and so uh, from that very short scene, we get adult Diana now, so uh, we see Galgado at this point, she's fully in her role and she's training with a bunch of other Amazons and she's fighting against them and everything and it's clear from how she fights that uh, she's still a very formidable warrior and she has her bracelets and when she clangs them together she's able to take out like everybody. It like makes
1: this big crash and like a boom and like everybody's like blown to the ground. Right. It's then that We get a glimpse that there's something kind of special about Diana. Right. That her mother's never told her about. Yeah, they do have a conversation about that. Yeah. Yes, but Hippolyta and her sister talk about, you know, hey, maybe we should say something. And it's like her mom saying, no, we're not yet. We don't need to tell her about that. Right. Because evidently, uh, we find out later that the more she realizes her power, the quicker that Ares is going to find
0: out where she is. Right. That's the logic behind it, which makes sense. Yeah. 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 So because of everything that happened, Diana uh, decides she needs to kind of take a break from everything. And she goes out to a, a ledge and she stares out into the ocean and she's just contemplating what happened, kind of absorbing everything that that just took place. And she sees something in the sky that she's never seen before. And turns out it's an old some sort of uh, German airplane. And it's uh, crashing into the ocean and the pilot goes in there and she immediately goes and tries to save uh, whoever's in there.
1: I'm going to just interject one little thing. As far as we're concerned, the plane is old, but at the time period of this movie, that was state-of-the-art. Yeah, fair enough. For that time. And also I wanted to mention that when uh, Diana decides that she's going to save, you know, she's going to go check it out. Mm -hmm. She jumps off this huge cliff. Right. And I wanted to point out that earlier when she was a little girl, we got a similar image of her jumping off of a wall. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. And she is caught by her mom. I wonder if that is just something that she has just instinctively has no fear of that because of her what who she really is i guess i don't know what to say about that but yeah that's fair yeah you know i think that's kind of an interesting thing and uh we get introduced to a new character now also during all this stuff
0: right we don't know who he is yet but we see him
1: we think that it's captain james t kirk yes as a matter of fact, I think that's who it is.
0: is it, but I could be wrong. Is no? Well, I'm I'm trying to remember. Is it James T. Kirk or is it James something else? Kirk? Because if you remember, Tiberius was uh, well. That that was the Shatner version. Yes, Tiberius, that's true. I'm wondering if they... because I know for other. So, we're now going to have to go down that rabbit trail. So, in Star Trek. <laughs> I'm sorry. It, no, no, this is good. I like it. I, I'm, I'm, I'd am I'm, much rather talk about Star Trek uh, anyway. But so, <laughs> in alternate realities, they had different. There were things that were slightly different. I, I want to say that, like, James R. Kirk was an alternate version. I don't know if. Chris Pine's portrayal of Kirk was a James R. Kirk or James T. Kirk or something else entirely. But like you said, this, uh, this new character is, is played by Chris Pine, who, as we know him mostly from the, uh, JJ Abrams, Star Trek movies.
1: Yes. Yes. Like we will go there eventually
0: just because. Okay.
1: They had Star Trek comics. They were after the fact, but <laughs> it's still part of my collection. So, okay. We're going to go there. Okay. Okay. Just like I class all my James Bond movies as in that because we've and you've seen them yourself, they have James Bond comics. So we can we can go down that road too eventually.
0: Uh, I uh, that that sounds Uh, really really good, but it's that's going to take us half a year to go through all that, which I'm okay with. I'm okay with that.
1: Well, give or take five thousand years, you know. We got plenty, you know, we got stuff that to go way before we get to there. But yeah. And besides, there are other really excellent podcasts that just deal with James Bond alone.
0: That's true.
1: Yeah. So we'll touch on them when we get to that point. Okay. But we're going to be have to really starve for stuff to get to that point. So. Okay. All right. All right. So okay. anyways, uh, she's saving him and. It- We get to see the German army. Yes. We see that it's like all foggy and dense. Yep. And dark. And we see a German put his hand forward. And all of a sudden it's in the light and the beauty of mascara. Yep. And he takes his hand out and puts it back in. Then they finally all come in. Right, right. And we have this awesome fight where all the women are beating up all the German soldiers yep. with swords and knives and bows and arrows Right. while they have machine guns, rifles, but somehow they win,
0: Yeah, right? and ba- bayonets too. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, it obviously, and I think that a lot of it has to do with the natures of the Amazons themselves. So if you were training as a soldier for thousands of years, you would be quite formidable as well. And also remember that the uh, weaponry, World War One technology, as deadly as it was, still uh, can't even really hold a candle to what happened in World War Two. There, there's so much more uh, destructive capabilities there. But we'll uh, we'll get to that. We'll probably get to that another time. So yeah, the, the one important plot point that did happen in the battle is that uh, Diana was about to be uh, shot, but instead, Antiope jumps in front of the bullet and she sacrifices her life to save Diana. And so that uh, happens. We obviously have a very sad scene at at that point. But like you right. said, G- Germans are all defeated. And this uh, new character, the pilot, is uh, he survives. And so... Right, his name is Steve Trevor. Correct. Yeah, we'll find out exactly who he is in just a moment. So we clip from that battle right to this council chamber where they are interrogating this pilot and uh, he kind of has to spill all the beans and we'll find out why here.
4: My uh, <clears throat> name is Captain Steve Trevor, pilot American Expeditionary Forces, serial number 8141921, that's why I'm at liberty to assigned to British intelligence. What the hell is this thing?
2: The lasso of Hestia compels you to reveal the truth. But it's really hot. It is pointless and painful to resist. What is your mission?
4: Whoever you are, you are in more danger than you think.
3: What is your mission?
4: I am a... I am a... I am a SPY! I'm a spy. I'm a spy. British intelligence got word that the leader of the German army, General Ludendorff, would be visiting a secret military installation in the Ottoman Empire. I posed as one of their pilots and flew in with them. According to our intel, the Germans had no troops left, no money, no munitions of any kind. But our intel was wrong. The Germans had the Turks building bombs for them. And not just bombs. New weapons. Secret weapons. Invented by Ludendorff's chief psychopath, Dr. Isabel Maru. The boys in the trenches called her Dr. Poison. And for good reason.
0: Yeah, so what we see as he's describing that is that he has infiltrated that same base that that Ludendorff and Dr. Morrow are in and he sees her book of research and he realizes that if he didn't do something at that point they would be able to come up with this uh, poison gas which is being demoed for Ludendorff that is supposed to destroy any gas masks that you know normally filter out mustard gas and it's not there yet quite but if trevor steals the book of research that's going to set them back quite a ways so based on that story uh, i i'm kind of thinking this is supposed to take place around 19 late 1918 1919 towards the end of the first world war right
1: yes it is actually yeah and we get introduced to the lasso lasso of Hestia, right Which is also known as the lasso of truth, also known as the magic lasso. Yeah, but originally Marston created that Uh as an allegory for feminine charm. Right, that was his original, you know, design for it. Uh huh. And it actually originally, if you got lassoed with the rope or whatever, you were to do the bidding of whoever said you know to make sure you tell the truth but if they asked you to do something you would have to do that ah, okay. uh, later is when they changed it to be just like the lasso of truth or just to extract the truth out of people gotcha i think they might have thought that was too i don't know degrading or whatever that they could use it to make somebody do what they wanted him to do
0: well, the other part, it kind of puts writers in a corner, like, every time to go back to that plot device. Okay, this person's not doing what you want them to do. Just send them with the last of truth, and then they can do whatever you want.
1: Yes, that's true. It, did, yeah. it would do that. Yeah. Uh, so we got introduced to that. We got also introduced to General Ludendorff. Right. Who was actually a real general in World War I. Ah. Huh. After the war, believe it or not, he got into politics. Uh-huh. And he was the promoter of this movement called the Stab in the Back myth. Okay, where he promoted that the army lost World War 1 not because of their failure, but it was because of the Marxists and the Jews and the Freemasons and the Bolsheviks. Ah. And uh later, he was actually in league with Hitler. That makes sense. They ran for office, uh, uh, not Hitler, but Ludendorff ran for office and actually failed with their party, but it was kind of, him and Hitler were basically on the same page as far as their beliefs, you know? Interesting. Then uh, Dr. Poison, Uh as she is referred to, she actually was in Sensation Comics, number two, in uh, February
0: 1942.
1: Okay. And she was also part of a uh, group called Villainy Inc. with other women villains uh, from Wonder Woman villains, like uh, Cheetah, Giganta, Evilus, Hypnata, Queen Clea, Zara. There was a bunch of them, and they actually changed. It was kind of like Suicide Squad. They changed a few times. Uh There was a couple incarnations, but I thought Doc Poison was totally... I thought, well, they must have just came up with that for the movie or something. But it was actually, there was a comic with them. So I was like, oh, wow. okay. That's yeah. cool.
0: Yeah, I thought it was interesting. They're pretty intentional about the characters, even some of the minor characters of coming from the comics. So we'll we have a couple more of them that we'll, we'll go to, uh, at least I know of, and as we get through the story. But yeah, it's really cool. It's nice. Yes. All right. So after that uh, interrogation is concluded... The council adjourns, and Diana immediately thinks that Ares is the one behind it all, and so she asks, "Hey, let me go confront Ares. We'll destroy him once and for all, and we'll save mankind." And Hippolyta is like, "No, that's this is not what that is. What we're gonna we're gonna have to figure out something to do with with Trevor, but uh, we're not sure about that yet. We're gonna have to deliberate some more." Well, yes, he's the god of war, Ares. Right. At that point, uh, we move to another scene where Steve is in some glowy bath type thing and he's washing up and uh, Diana walks in on him and you know, they have a little bit of awkward conversation, talk a little bit about his watch and they have this uh, conversation here.
4: Can I ask you some questions? Where where are we? Themyscira. No, I got that before, but I mean, where are we? What is this place? Who are you people? Why does the, the water do that? How come you don't know the watches? How come you speak English so well?
2: We speak hundreds of languages. We are the bridge to a greater understanding between all men.
4: Right. You know, I didn't get a chance to say this uh, earlier, but thank you for dragging me out of the water.
2: Thank you, for what you did on the beach. So,
4: you're here to let me go?
2: I tried, but it's not up to me. I even asked them to send me with you. Or anyone, an Amazon, the Amazons.
4: The Amazons.
2: It is our sacred duty to defend the world. And I wish to go. But my mother will not allow it.
4: Well... I can't say I blame her. The way this war is going, I wouldn't want to let anyone I care about near it.
2: And why do you want to go back?
4: I don't think want is the word. I guess I gotta try. My father told me once, he said, if you see something wrong happening in the world, you can either do nothing or you can do something. And I already tried nothing.
0: So we see a little bit more about Steve's character and his uh, motivation. How he wants to make a difference in the world. He wants to do what's right. And he's determined to go back and and finish his mission. We also see Diana wants to help him as well.
1: Right. Well, I think a lot of that had to do with when he had the... or when he discussed the war when he was in the conference room and he said that it was the war to end all wars. Right. And I think that's what gave her the idea that it was Ares. Correct. That was doing all this. Yeah. So she firmly believes... And it's probably been drummed into her for, we don't know how old she is, but hundreds of years, if she speaks, you know, all those languages and everything, she's had to have time to learn them. Yeah, It's been drummed into her that it's their responsibility to save mankind. Right. You know, something along that lines. Yeah. After she talks with Steve and he says to her, you can either do nothing Or you can do something. Yeah. We see this awesome scene where she decides she's going to get the God killer. Right, right. We see that uh, she is a lot more of an Amazon or more than just an Amazon warrior. Uh Uh-huh. When she scales the tower. Yep. And we can see her arms kind of like her hands like go into the solid rock. Uh Uh-huh. And it's like okay. It would definitely, if she was my wife, I would never fight with her. Yeah, you know, that that would be a losing battle all the way. But she scales the wall. Yep. Goes up to the top, gets the lasso, gets a shield. Yep. And then goes down below and uh, gets the sword and the armor and the armor. Yes.
0: Yeah. That. Uh, so up until now. We've seen everybody dressed up, and they're all wearing, you know, browns, beiges, uh, you know, the earth tones, right? Yes. And then we, we get this armor that's white, or sorry, red, white, and blue, and it's like, okay, yeah, sure.
1: Yeah, not kept... so much white, but mostly yeah. blue and red. There is a little bit of white, a little bit of gold. Right. But yeah, maybe it's the armor for the god killer. I don't know. I guess. I
0: don't know. Hey, but We're
1: just going to go there because <laughs> Marston, when he created it, that's what she was wearing. So Sure, sure. You know.
0: Anyway, yeah, like you said. So they, they sneak out. Both her and Trevor go to a boat. So they're going to go sail away and out to the war. And just before they leave, Hippolyta shows up and Diana is uh, still set on going. And so uh, they have these parting words here.
2: I'm going, Mother. I cannot stand by while innocent lives are lost. If no one else will defend the world from Ares, then I must. I have to go.
3: I know. Or at least I know I cannot stop you. There's so much... so much you do not understand.
2: I understand enough. But I'm willing to fight for those who cannot fight for themselves. Like you once did.
3: You know that if you choose to leave, you may never return. Who
2: will I be if I stay?
3: This belonged to the greatest warrior in our history. Our beloved Antiope. Make sure you're worthy of it. I will. Be careful in the world of men, Diana. They do not deserve you. You have been my greatest love. Today. You are my greatest sorrow.
0: And with that, they sail away off to fight the war. And so (laughs) I don't understand why she can't return after this all ends. Doesn't make sense to me. Well,
1: there, you know, Themyscira is not on any map. True. And it is hidden from the world. Uh Uh-huh. So I'm just going to take a stab and say... It's not that she's not allowed to return. It's just that maybe once she gets past there, things there's no markers or any things that say, "Hey, you have got to go to this area, then you can get through the barrier." You know, let's let's face it. All this time, it's it's been there from Greek mythology that they've been on this island, uh-huh. and nobody's accidentally gone into that area. Yeah, before that, Germans in World War One that's a good point point. You know, and I mean it's possible yeah because in many different stories there are stories where Diana comes back to Themyscira right and although she's like well you're, you're not really supposed to be here but then it's okay bottom line is her mom's the queen uh huh well who makes the rules well it must be the queen right that's a good point You know, so the queen could say, hey, you know, I changed my mind. You can come back. I don't know. Right. But anyway, so we get a little bit of uh, scenes with them on the boat and uh, some other stuff. And then we, uh, I think, flash to Germany after that.
0: Yeah, we do. If I'm not
1: mistaken, right?
0: That's correct. Yeah, we're here with Dr. Maru slash Dr. Poison and Ludendorff. And basically, he is saying, hey, we got to act now we don't have any results with this new mustard gas things are going to go really bad for us dr morrow says i oh, just need a little bit more time uh, in the meantime check out this gas that i made and so she let ludendorff try this thing out he sniffs the gas and he turns like this like crazed strong guy for just a little bit so that'll come back later on in the in the film but we right. see that his,
1: he actually t- turns into you see his face light up And like you say, it looks like he's got a lot of strength. And then all of a sudden, a little paper, she looks in front of her, a little paper, and she comes up with the idea for the
0: gas. Ah, yes, yes.
1: It's like all of a sudden revealed to her what she needs to do. Uh Uh-huh. So we basically now, he's got the strength to do that, and he wants her to come up with this gas because they're talking about An armistice. Correct, yes. Which is really not necessarily the end of the war. It's basically like a ceasefire. Correct. So they wind up, he wants to be at that meeting. Yeah. So he tells her she needs to get things going. Right, right. So then after that, we flash back to Trevor and Diana, or Steve and Diana. Right. And they're arriving in London. They're like being towed by a tugboat we get to meet another character, which I totally love. Steve's yeah. Uh, secretary? Yeah. Her name? Etta. Yeah, Etta Candy. Yeah. So she ate Etta Candy? Looks to me like she ate a lot of candies.
0: Yeah, yeah. They <laughs> <laughs> that, that is also another character from the, the Wonder Woman books. We also get introduced... No, not yet, but, not, but soon we'll see Diana's uh, alter ego, or her uh, pseudonym, I guess you could say. But... Uh, in the books, she Wonder Woman as Diana Prince, which was her alter ego, worked as a journalist, and Eda worked with Diana in the the early comic books. So, uh, right. she's she's also from uh, from the comics. Right, I'm not sure I can remember that.
1: I'm trying to remember in the TV series she worked with Steve Trevor, but which was Lyle Wagner in the TV series. Uh huh. Who was this, uh, I guess, thought of as a handsome actor uh-huh. who wound up actually being on the Carol Burnett show. But okay. I believe that he was a military and Diana played his secretary. Huh. Okay. So it was kind of a little different. Yeah. You know, they somehow intertangled them. So.
0: Yeah. Yep. The, the other thing that we should mention is that a couple of times Diana is asking to go directly to the front of the war so she can go kill Ares. And Steve is uh, trying to tell her, hey, it's not that simple. We need to go finish this mission first before we can even worry about uh, doing that. Uh, but Diana is convinced that if, as soon as she kills Ares, the war will be over, everybody will come to their senses, and peace will reign.
1: Yes, and, and that's her belief. Yep. We get a little slogan about that later, yeah, she's Trevor tells her they need to get the book to the war council, yeah, and so they are they actually give Edda the sword uh well they we have this little bit of a comical thing where they're trying to get her clothed properly' because she's still in the red, white, and blue, yeah, underneath her coat.
0: Yeah, that, th- this is like the chick flick makeover montage session here in the movie.
1: Yes, yes. It just reminds me that thank you uh, for your mother. I'm going to say thank you. Uh, I went to the doctors yesterday, and because of you, uh, we went to Kohl's afterwards. And oh, uh, okay. I had to wait for your mother to try some things on, so. Yeah. Not as many as Diana, though. If you yeah. recall, uh, Etta said she had tried on, what it was it, 236 different outfits or something? Yeah, something or, like that, yeah. Something outrageous. Yeah. Thankfully, your mother did not do that. Good. But she did spend her birthday money. It was all good. Good. Anyway, so once she finally, they finally get her into an outfit, as you recall, some of the clothes that she was wearing, she was trying... To do karate kicks and stuff, and she ripped some dresses and yep, it was a nice, comical little thing, but she finally found something that would work for her, yep, and so they give Etta the shield and the sword, right, and they start taking off walking, right, and they leave her with that the heavy stuff, she says, oh I can handle it, yeah, they actually people start coming after them. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, right? Yeah, it
0: turns out that Ludendorff has his own network of spies, and they're trying to retrieve the book, and before they can harm uh, either of them, Diana steps in, and she is deflecting the bullets with her armbands, and she pretty pretty much takes every single one of them out. That ends up happening, and uh, they're able to make it to uh, the British intelligence uh, office unharmed. Yes, I'm going to...
1: I'm just... uh, I just thought about this. That scene uh-huh. is quite similar to the Superman, first Superman movie. Uh-huh. If you remember, he was in an alley as Clark Kent, and somebody was going was trying to rob somebody else, uh-huh. and he kind of like grabbed the bullet, he put his arm around the person and grabbed the bullet, you know, fake like he fainted, but it yeah, was yeah. kind of like she put her bracelet up to stop a bullet uh-huh. that was going to hit Steve. Right. So it's kind of a similar thing there. Yeah. But they were uh, like you said successful in taking care of all of those and they, they try we're going she was going to take her last suit to make one of them talk. Right. But he chose to bite the cyanide pill. Correct. Which I, I I'm just going to say that if I was a spy, yeah. I don't think I would have the guts or the constitution to take a cyanide pill i think i would just say hey kill me yeah you know (laughs) that's why you and i are not spies (laughs) exactly yeah all right so they're now now they're in british intelligence
0: right yep yep he's uh, successful in delivering the notebook they kind of interrupt some uh, deliberations that are happening and diana is kind of making a spectacle out of herself and we meet this new character named sir patrick he's uh, trying his best to negotiate for peace and trying to convince the other generals and, and folks there to uh, pursue that and uh, they're they're not really having that at this moment but uh, they're about to have another meeting to discuss the Intel in the book and uh, again Diana is in the meeting as well and uh, she also has a couple things to say here intriguing
5: any further intelligence sadly not. Sir. Cryptography, I've had no luck. It seems like it's a mixture of two languages, but as yet they've failed to determine which two
4: languages. Based. Ottoman
2: and Sumerian. Surely someone else in this room knew that.
4: Who is this woman? She's my um, secretary, sir, and she can understand Ottoman and Sumerian. She's a very good secretary, <laughs> Sarah.
5: Sir, if this woman can read it, We should hear what she has to say. Yes, very
2: well. It's a formula for a new kind of gas, mustard gas, hydrogen-based instead of sulfur.
4: Gas masks would be useless against hydrogen.
2: The book says they plan to release the gas at, at the front. When? It doesn't say. Wait, front of what?
4: Sir, that is the evidence we need. You have to find out where they're making that gas. You have to burn it to the ground, destroy it.
5: Ludendorff was last seen in Belgium. We can't be seen sending troops into German-occupied Belgium as we are negotiating their surrender.
4: Sir, I've seen that gas with my own eyes. If it is used, it will kill everyone on both sides. They will all die. That
5: is what soldiers do, Captain.
4: Send me in with some logistical support, at least give me the chance to take out Ludendorff's operation myself.
5: Are you insane? I can't introduce rogue elements as late in the game. Sir, I, I can tell... Now, t- more than ever, the armistice is of paramount importance. It must be negotiated. It must be signed. And this is... It's the best way of stopping the war. Captain, you will do nothing. And
4: that is an order. Yes, sir. I understand, sir. I don't. Diana, I know this confusion.
2: It is not talking. confusing. Oh, is this on. On. She's
4: with me. She's with I us, sir. I am not.
2: I am not with you. You would knowingly sacrifice all those lives as if they mean less than yours. Diana, let's talk as about As if they outside. mean nothing. Where I come from, Diana, generals don't hide in their offices like me. cowards. That's enough. They fight alongside their soldiers. They die with that's them on so, the battlefield. That's enough. You My should be ashamed. Sir. My apologies. You should be ashamed. Diana. All of you Diana. should be ashamed.
1: Diana.
0: Not the most productive meeting, I would say.
1: No, uh, we did get the part of the plot revealed. Yeah. And I would like to just mention there was a general uh, in World War Two, General Patton. Yes. Who would fight with every one of his soldiers. He yes. He was definitely, I guess you would call him the soldier's general. All blood and guts. Yes. I would not, you know, I really don't. What the general said, you know, hey, that's what soldiers are for. To die?
0: I don't think so. Yeah, and I think the other thing that actually I think, in my opinion, is extremely unrealistic. In that, and I've I've read and heard a number of histories of World War One, and one thing that is common with all of the the retrospectives and lookbacks is that the loss of life in this particular war was by comparison to other wars before it, was completely exponential. I mean, the amount of life lost, and not only that, but the brutality of the life lost. This is the first war where they employed mortar shells, trenches, all of those things. It's the first time we've actually seen this on a, on a large scale. And the amount of destruction, the amount of damage, the amount of um, loss of life, has never been on this scale uh, ever in the history of the world. And I, I would think that by the time this war is on, generals would not be acting like that, even if they were not on the front.
1: Right. They would be close to the front where they were able to make decisions. But we'll see later on as we get into it, when they actually get to the war, we'll see that the trench thing definitely it was not an a quick way of advancing in the war
0: yeah will uh will i i've actually got a clip for that we're not too far away from that so we'll we'll save it till then yeah okay good oh absolutely all right but yeah after that meeting steve tells diana hey look i just told him that i'm not uh, i lied to them essentially we're we're going to go we're going to go anyway doesn't matter i'll ta- if i take you there myself i will
1: right well he's a spy so
0: as far as diana knows he is a liar. That's what he does, you know. Right. That's what he says. Yeah, and yes. uh, he puts the the lasso of truth around him to confirm that he's not lying to her right now. That he is going to, he's committed to take her to the front. And so, uh, in order to do that, they're going to need some help, though.
1: Right. So there, they go to a place where he can get his crew. He inter- we get introduced to actually the other people that are in that picture plate that we photographic yeah. plate that we saw in the beginning
0: yeah i was going to say the the barking commandos or the howling commandos because there's a lot fewer of them
1: that is true there is a lot of, and let's just say that they are nowhere near the howling commandos
0: yeah but uh but yeah so uh we we have a little bit of luck they're actually more like mercenaries and unfortunately steve has no funds to really support their effort but thankfully they have a benefactor. So the uh, man that they met earlier that was pushing for the armistice, uh, Sir Patrick, has found out about their scheme and he's going to support them. And he's actually going to kind of run the base of operations back in London with uh, Edda.
1: Right. He's going to have Edda be the one in charge and just to keep him abreast so that he's he says so that he's not they can't put him with the operation you know connect him to it yeah so that he has uh deniability i guess is what they yeah. he makes them think anyways correct uh so we go from there yep back to our buddy general ludendorff yes and he's actually with the german war council
0: right yep Yep, then just like on the other side, of the British, they're, they're also discussing the armistice and getting ready to, and Ludendorff is having none of that, and uh, as he realizes that that's kind of a losing argument with them, he says, oh, you know, now's actually a really good time to test out our uh, new mustard gas, and so he locks him in the room, throws in a gas canister and a gas mask, and uh, Dr. Morrow's with them. she's like, well, why'd you give him a gas mask? And he's like, well, I want to see if it actually works. And it turns out it does. Uh, the gas masks are useless to this new mustard gas.
1: Right. Well, I think he already knew that. I was just, I was thinking that it was just his, uh, part of his evilness. That's right. You're right. Yeah. She says, why did you throw it in there? You know that it's not going to work. He goes, yeah, I know. I just want to see what they're going to do. You know." Yeah.
0: You wanted to mess with them. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not. Not a cool guy. No,
1: not at all. He's very evil. The more we see of him the more that he is depicted and uh actually the actor who played the part I think he might have done some study in history about the real general. Uh-huh. Because what I've shared with you about him we could see that he was a pretty bad guy, you know. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Anyway, so they kind of they lock him in there and they're having their sinister laughs laughed. right yeah you know yeah uh, we then get our uh crew what are you gonna call them the barking commandos the I barking commandos yeah it works for me
0: yeah i don't know or, or the, the i don't know that, the uh the other i'm trying to think of the right word like they're all very diverse you got a scottish guy you have a, a middle eastern guy and you have a native american all with their crew so it's like uh I don't know what the right word is, but basically they're all trekking their way through Belgium to the front. And, you know, we have this moment here where uh, we really do see like the ugliness of uh, particularly World War I, but war in general. Right. Because
1: they are walking across a bridge. Yeah. They see all the people that have been hurt, people from the villages, women and children who don't yep. have food. Right, she speaks to somebody
0: in Belgian, Flemish with, is the correct term. Flemish,
1: okay, yeah. excuse me. It's okay, Flemish. We, just be,
0: we don't want to offend our Belgian listeners, okay, very good, and that's true. <laughs> uh, so, um, our theoretical Belgian listeners, and you never know, you never know, it's a possibility. But you're, you're, you're right. Diana is confused because uh, she has this preconception of what war is like and none of that none of what's happening now is meeting her expectations and so uh, actually this is the uh, clip i captured for that and it actually does there is a little bit of flemish in the middle just so you know what's what they're talking about is there is this woman asking for help from diana saying that uh, they've uh, uh, you know have control of the the village they've enslaved the people they took all the food so that's what it's saying when they're talking in flemish so let's listen to this
4: these animals why are they hurting them
2: because they need to move quick my like cuss! But this is not the way. I could help them. There's no time Come on,
5: women!
2: That man is wounded.
4: There is nothing you can do about it, Diana. We must keep moving. barely gained an inch all right because on the other side there are a bunch of Germans pointing machine guns at every square inch of this place this is not something you can cross
2: it's not possible so what so we do nothing
0: no we
4: we are doing something we are we just we can't save everyone in this war this is not what we came here to do
2: what i'm going to do
0: so before we get to the next scene which is probably the uh one of the best ones in the entire film i think it's important for us to take a look at diana's reaction to what's happening versus everybody else their reaction to what's happening uh with uh, these things right and this is what i would say and it's like uh, like we mentioned earlier in episode in this recording that this might seem controversial but really it's common sense that women typically will uh, have different reactions to things that happen versus men men are able to uh, when they see like really bad things happening they're able to compartmentalize that and realize hey we have a mission we need to stick to the mission but diane is continually wanting to say stop and help and stop and help and stop and help. And in this point right now, they get to a place where they actually do have to stop. And so, you know, she now is going to start uh, taking action and, uh, and help.
1: Right. It's an emotion-driven scene or her reaction is emotion-driven. Yeah. You know, and uh, right from wrong or right from wrong, like you said, men compartmentalize and they try to stick to the tasks no matter what. Right. At times that's not necessarily the right thing to do. Right. Although we believe that it is, it's not that way, but right. we see in the next the battle scene that comes to pass. Yeah. She actually is like the incentive her going out there that they finally make a move. And you think that, oh my gosh, they've been in this trench for over a year. Right. And now in one day, you know, Diana's getting everything going and uh, she actually goes past the trenches
0: and into the village. Right. And and I think that it's also important for us to make note of is that uh, very clearly in that clip, Steve says that what's where the Germans are at are across no man's land, right? No man right. goes there without getting turned to Swiss cheese from the machine guns, but she's not a man. Therefore she's going to go across no man's land. Right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's very, very on the nose, I think.
1: Oh yes. No question about that. There was actually, Oh gosh, I wish I could remember the movie. Uh, but, uh,
0: there was a thing where,
1: uh oh, you're thinking of Return
0: of the King, I think.
1: Oh yes, no man would uh kill
0: Yeah, no man can kill me, she and then the the woman it's like oh yeah, but I am no man and then she stabs him right. or whatever. Yes, yeah. yeah.
1: Yes, that's what it was. You're right.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember the character or the or the bad guy or the or the, the good guy, but uh I I do remember hey, that particular thing.
1: We got that part. That's good enough.
0: Well, I mean, there, uh, there to, 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 in my defense, there's about I don't know, 100 characters you have to keep track of in those movies
1: absolutely oh yes oh yes all right we don't that's a another story we're not going to go down that rabbit hole no but the one rabbit hole i do want to go uh i want to go back to the first battle in Themascara with the germans yeah there there is a scene where not Hippolta her sister uh-huh no it was Hippolta she said S.H.I.E.L.D. And one of the Amazons put their shield up and she ran. Yeah, yeah. And she got on the shield and they like lift boosted her up and while Uh she was in the air she wound up shooting three Germans. Yes, I remember that. So when we get to the trenches are victorious and now they're heading into the village. Uh huh. There is a scene. Yeah. Where we see even how much stronger Wonder Woman is, where she takes a military vehicle and picks it up over her head and smashes it. Yeah. And one of the doors falls off. Trevor tells the other guys to put it, you know, to lift it up. And then he says to Diana, shield, because there's a sniper that's up in a tower. Yeah, church tower. Yeah, church tower. Which uh, she goes up there and, like, totally destroys the top of the church. Yep. You know, gets rid of the sniper. Uh
0: Uh-huh.
1: And so, anyways, they free the village, they have a night, and this is where the pitcher comes in. Yes, that's right. Where you have uh, everybody standing there. Uh Uh-huh. The whatever he's supposed to, I can't remember, is he French or Middle Eastern? Yeah. uh, Sammy.
0: Yeah, he's uh, Moroccan maybe? I don't know. He, maybe, he, wears, a, he right. wears a fez, so... That's correct, so yeah, could assuming. be Moroccan. Yeah, that'd be my guess.
1: And the Indian and the Scottish guy. Yep. And Steve and Wonder Woman, and uh-huh. they take a picture. And if you remember uh-huh. when he's taking the picture, you saw that he had a little black circle thing that he had over the lens. He, t- he had, had it in his hands, and he was counting a time, Uh and then he put the cover back over the lens. I do remember that. Okay, and so that's what I was explaining to you earlier, Uh how that got etched into that plate Uh by the amount of time that it was uh, exposed to the light. Right. Uh, So that picture was taken. There's a celebration at nighttime. Yeah. And it actually snowed. Correct.
0: Yeah. And, yeah. And,
1: and during that uh don't uh gives a call, right? To back to
0: the Edda? Yeah, yeah, just before that. Or maybe uh
1: Yeah, probably just before the celebration or before Steve and Diana went to the celebration.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. But basically, yeah, they find out there's a gala uh, occurring with Ludendorff and Maru and they believe that's where uh they're going to uh, have the, uh, new mustard gas. And so they know they need to infiltrate that in order to, to get to them. So like you said, uh, after they find out that intel, they, we see the village, they're actually in a celebratory mode at this point, because obviously they were under German occupation. They've now been freed. And so people are dancing and, um, Steve decides that he needs to teach Diana how to dance. And so they're dancing. And like you said, a uh, light snow, uh, falls on, them. It's, uh, uh, it's a snowfall. <laughs> Touch it.
2: <laughs> it's magical.
5: <laughs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah.
2: Is this what people do when there are no wars to fight?
5: Yeah. Yeah, this and other things.
2: What things?
4: Um, they have breakfast. They they love a breakfast, and um, they love to wake up and read the paper and go to work. They get married, make some babies, grow all together. I
2: guess What is it like?
0: I have no idea. Yeah, so we we see this description about like just the normal cycle of life. I think we see, you know, Steve's real desire is to just have that, but in order for him to have that, he realizes that he has to fight he has to help win the war so they can have that. And I think that that is definitely speaks something to us uh as well, is that, you know, war should not be a normative thing for us. I mean, obviously we should be prepared to protect those that we love and that we're in charge of. But at the same time, what we're really supposed to be about doing is working, subduing, building families, right? That's kind of really what it's all about.
1: Yes. Yes. Well,
0: you know, uh, biblically, back in the day,
1: God told Abraham that his descendants would be as many as the grains of sand, you know? Uh Uh-huh. We see that uh, happening through the Old Testament stories. Jacob's 12. Yep. And those 12 became 70. And then we go to Egypt and Moses, and there's over a million yeah, yeah. That's basically that same desire that we need to procreate our families and, you know, protect them to the best of our ability. Yeah. We also, they have an intimate moment, a romantic moment together. Right, right. And which bids me to believe in this part based on what happened earlier. I'll bring you back to the time on the sailing vessel when they left Themyscira. Uh-huh. she talked about reading volumes of books about uh, sexual activity uh-huh. with men, and uh, he said he would love to read that, and she said, oh, no, you wouldn't, because in the end, the conclusion one was that they really don't need men, uh-huh. you know, yeah. for sexual pleasure. Uh-huh. You know, so we see, because uh, they had uh, some time together here, we can see that she's developing a feelings for Steve. Yes. Strong feelings. That's for sure. So... Yeah, we'll, we'll we,
0: see exactly how strong uh, later on in the movie. Um, but yeah, you're right. Definitely, uh, at this point, she is developing, uh, you know, feelings of love for him.
1: Yes, yes. yeah, Yeah. And so... We he, he has found out that there's going to be a gala, so they decide that they need to procure a German uniform and uh, get ready to infiltrate. They want to infiltrate the gala. Yep. See if they can find where the gas is, so that they can, you know, get rid of it. You know, right? Stay on point. Stay on mission.
0: Yep. Yep. And, and obviously, given the risk involved with going, really, kind of in the belly of the beast. Steve wants everyone else to stay back, and he's going to do the job. So he has a plan. He's going to get in, bluff his way in with his uh, with uh, Sammy, and uh, he's successful. They let him in. That was one thing that I didn't think was too realistic at this point. So let's let's just kind of walk it through. The fact that we have this uh, German military slash leadership party thing happening, you're telling me. None of these people speak German, actually? Well, you know, that was kind of the
1: uh, way it was in the old days. You know, in in the early filming days. Yeah. I don't know. There were films like The Longest Day when they actually had people speaking German. Yeah, yeah. And they had uh, subtitles underneath, so you know what they were saying. Right. But even I have some comic strip stuff like Terry and the Pirates. where they're in the Orient, Uh and there's not a single Oriental actor. You know, the characters are American actors with their eyes pinned back to make them look like they're... Yeah. And I don't know if it's because they couldn't... At that time, they didn't have actors to play those roles. Yeah. Or it was the same thing if they did African jungle scenes. Yeah, yeah. They were... They might have been uh, Mexican actors... Right. Or people that they actually put uh, face black on them to make them look like they were natives from Africa. Yeah. You know, at that time in filming, that was the way they did this. So I don't know if it was an homage to that or, uh, well...
0: Through the entire movie, all the Germans have been speaking English. Exactly, yeah. So I don't think that was the the thing. I think it was just basically, hey, we're making this movie and we're not going for realism here. We're just going for, this is a comic book movie.
1: Right. Right. And I'm going to, I would be willing to guess that if they had Germans in the original comic, that they didn't write German language uh, in the little bubbles.
0: Correct. Yeah. And I would say just from the Captain America comics that I read for preparation for the um, Captain America episode that we did, uh, it was you're you're absolutely right. There would be they would write the dialogue in a way where the um, if you were to read it out loud, you would read it with a thick German accent and they would use uh, loan words uh, from German as well uh but they wouldn't uh like you know they would still say air instead of mr or they would instead of say v the, they would say z so it they're, they're definitely you can see it the way that was written but but you are absolutely right everything would be understandable to uh to a uh, school age child um in those comics so
1: you're right right cuz back in the day a school age child would read comics yeah. Now Nowadays, people more our age or you know young adults would be comic readers, not so much young kids as it used to be.
0: Well, it depends on the comic. I know that uh, it depends. Like you said, it depends. True. But, true. But it, that's right. And the thing is, uh, particularly because even comics aren't as ubiquitous as they were, say, in uh, the 50s or even the 90s when I was growing up, there's so much more there than we had back then so we have now we still have the big two marvel and dc but we also have a number of different independent comics and i know in particular my oldest he likes uh disney comics with uh, uncle scrooge and donald duck so um you know tons of options for for younger kids and the other thing is is yeah,
1: go ahead. Disney's been around for years.
0: Yes, yeah, in fact, uh, that that is one thing that I am looking for him is uh uh hopefully I'm trying to find a trade paperback of the Carl Bart uh Uncle Scrooge comics. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, anyway. that
1: would be cool. Yeah, well, figure yes, we'll figure. actually I uh yes, I used to read Uncle Scrooge when I was a little lad. Yeah. His age.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the Carl Bart. I had them uh, all. Yeah, those comics are legendary. Of how good they're written, and you know they really, uh, they really shape the character of Uncle Scrooge into the iteration that I knew him most with, which was the animated show Ducktales. Which, by the way, is like one of the best animated shows of all time. Throwing that out there, I don't know if that's in your collection, but it should be.
1: Well, it will be eventually because yeah. I, you know, you got to remember that there were also Mickey Mouse comics. Uh, you know, Pluto and Goofy Comics. There's all kinds of stuff. I'd have, I'm going to have to eventually get Goof Troop and all that other stuff, you know, but, (laughs) uh, yeah. We're going, we're trying to do the major ones right now. I'm trying to get my collection set up with the major stuff. Fair enough. All those things I have written down on my list. And again, if I live to be 5,000, I'll probably have them all, but, you know probably not going to happen uh i'll probably have to it'll be a legacy that will have to spread through generations maybe my great-grandchildren will continue with it we'll see yeah but anyways so they get to the gala finally the gala gala or whatever yeah. right and uh trevor is trying to charm dr moreau correct Yeah. You know, and she is actually starting to fall for it. Yeah. Until Diana walks in. She kind of, Steve told her not to, she's not coming in. She has, there's a little scene where some German lady is waiting to get in and she doesn't. She's in this blue dress and Diana sizes her up and sees, hey, she looks like she's the same size. Uh we don't know what happens to that lady but somehow Diana's got her dress right everybody's kind of looking at Diana and you know cuz she does look spectacular yeah but i'm wondering how did she get in with that sword in the back of her dress
0: well that's a, that's a good point you know she she got the dress obviously from another dignitary that was supposed to that was in line with the cars trying to get in. but you're right uh she that that is one thing that actually kind of got a big reaction from uh, some of the folks that I was watching the movie with with uh, just the sword in the back of the dress and uh you know like you said, um, it's interesting. so she is going to approach Steve. And while she's doing that, she actually gets stopped by none other than Ludendorff himself.
5: Enjoying the party?
2: I confess I'm not sure what it is we're celebrating. in Victory, of course. Victory? When I hear peace could be so close.
5: Peace is only an armistice and an endless war. If
2: you said it is. Yeah.
5: You know, your ancient Greeks. They understood that war is a god. A god that requires human sacrifice. And in an exchange, war gives man purpose. Meaning, a chance to rise above his petty mortal little self and become righteous, noble,
2: better. Only one of the many gods believed in that. Hmm. And he was wrong. You know nothing of
0: the gods. A general? Enjoy the fireworks. Yeah, tense moment, and we see that Ludendorff is giving clues to Diana, making her still believe that Ludendorff is actually Ares himself.
1: Yes, yes, and uh, we do know, if nothing else, this guy is pure evil. Right. He is a great villain in this particular movie yeah. based on that and also Dr. Poison, them together. Yeah. They make a really strong evil team. But what happens is that he tells her to enjoy the fireworks. Right, right. And uh, she she's going to kill him right then and there, but Steve stops her. That's correct. They hear the booms. Yep. She goes outside and they see fires towards the village yes this particular part blows me away because she uh does she get on a horse if i'm not mistaken yeah yeah and she rides to the village and she's in the village as steve uh-huh. is following her on a motorcycle right steve can't go in there yeah he can't go through the smoke but she walks in there like nothing yeah yeah You know, which I'm thinking, again, must be another part of her superpowers that, you know, we're learning about, you know? I think
0: you're right. I think you're right.
1: She gets there, and they somehow figure out... Steve tells the other guys, the puppy patrol, or whatever you want to call them, to uh, follow Ludendorff. Right, right. So she wants to go find Ludendorff, so... Did they go on horseback or did they go in a car? They went in a car, right? Yes, I, I believe so. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so they went in a car. Now, no more horses. They grab a car. Steve sees smoke signals. Right. Because the chief said that's how they were going to signal them. Yep. So they find out where Ludendorff is at, and they also, at the same time, find out where the gas is at.
0: Correct. Yeah, the, they're at this air base and the gas is being loaded onto an airplane, and the idea is that they're going to drop it on the front and kill everybody there, essentially. And Germany will gain the upper hand, and then that way, when the armistice does finally go through, Germany is the one that's going to be able to dictate terms. That's that's the idea.
1: Right. Well, I thought that they were going to drop it on London.
0: Yes you you probably you're probably right. I I'm just misremembering that. That's fine.
1: No. Oh, well, that's what we're here for each other for. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, but anyways, uh, it's not a good thing.
0: No, no, certainly not. And so the guys are going to say, hey, we're going to try to stop that plane. Diana is still convinced that Ludendorff is Ares, and so her mission is to take him out. And so in this uh, tower at the airbase, she sees Ludendorff, and she goes to confront him there herself. And then basically, the the battle, he does uh, inhale the special gas from maru and he does he does put up a fight it's pretty it's, it's a pretty formidable fight it's not like a an easy thing but anyway they get to the roof of the tower and diana plunges the god killer through him on the roof and he dies
1: right and actually not only through him but through the roof too Correct. Yes. And she was of the belief, the reason that she went for Ludendorff was that she was of the belief that he was Ares. Yes. And if she killed him, that everybody would magically change and they would stop wanting to fight each other.
0: That's correct. Yeah, the war should be over now. And uh, she she is looking and it turns out that it still seems like everybody's still working on their mission. And Steve sees Diana's uh, sword sticking through the roof and he goes up to... Uh, talk to her and uh, they have this conversation
4: diana
2: i killed him i killed him but nothing stopped you killed the god of war you stopped the war
4: exactly what we have to do now we need to stop the gas come on
2: no all of this should have stopped. diana the fighting should don't, have We stopped. don't have time why are they this. doing I, this? I don't know I don't know. I, I Ares I is dead. These, I, they can stop fighting now. I, Why are they still because fighting? That's because
4: maybe it's them. Maybe... Maybe people aren't always good. Aries or no Ares. Maybe it, it's just... It's who they are. Diana. Diana, we can talk about this later. I need you to come with me. No,
2: after everything I saw, it can't be. It cannot be. They were killing each other. Killing people they cannot see. Children. Children. No, it has to be him. It cannot be them. Diana, people. That's I I she was right. My mother was right. She said the world of men do not deserve you. They don't deserve our help. It's it's, it's not. It it's not about deserve. deserve our it's kind. not. Maybe maybe we don't. But I'm, but it's
4: not about that. It's about what you believe. You don't think I get it after what I've seen out there? You don't think I wish I could tell you that it was one bad guy to blame? It's not. Ugh. We're all to blame. I'm not. But maybe I am. (sighs) Please, if you believe that this war should stop, if you want to stop it, help me stop it right now. Because if you you don't, they will kill thousands more. Please, please come with me. I have to go.
0: This is a good point that Steve Trevor brings up, is that man is not just operating on the whims of some god somewhere it's not that uh and i think that this is the fundamental discussion that happens right now the nature of man himself is that uh, that diana believes that men are basically good at heart and that they get corrupted whereas steve saying nope that's the exact opposite it's men are actually corrupt and evil at heart and only by the miracle of god do good things happen.
1: Uh the grace of God, I would say, but Yeah, certainly. Yeah, and, yes. and obviously
0: we don't really have that part of the message being uh inculcated here, but it's important to say that this that that's just the nature of man. Is that uh, where we're prone to to do all kinds of evil things.
1: Oh, yes. At any moment we are capable yeah. of doing that. Right. Again, we do not know when we're put in what situation how we 're going to react to those situations, right, we can say that we're going to do something, but until we're put in that situation, we don't know if we'll have the strength or the ability to do what we believe is the yeah. right thing and sometimes I'd watched a show where they had, the point was made that uh, the people that are doing the killing believe that they're doing the right thing, that their point of view, that the cause that they're fighting for is the right thing, whether it's the right thing or not, you know, as a matter of perspective, which is an interesting point of view.
0: Yeah, I think it's possible that people can be deluded and think that they're doing the right thing. Absolutely. But what we should say is also that there is a clear standard of right and wrong that we can measure by. We have God's word and we can measure by that in order to know uh, if our perspectives are right or they're wrong. That that that's the nice thing that we have as Christians is we have a an objective standard, something that's outside of our own perception. Uh, it's it's difficult for those who don't hold to that. Uh, it's just their opinion at the end of the day, right?
1: Exactly.
0: We follow
1: a blueprint. Yeah. We always say that we're still under construction. Yeah. The only way that we're going to be complete, and of course, it'll be at the end, but yeah, is by following the blueprint, right? You know, right. Anyways, we get to the point here after that that Steves tells her that she's saying, "No, I'm not going anywhere," but he says, "I've got to go." Yeah, you know, I got to stop this. Right, and yep. she turns around, and there's Sir Patrick
0: yeah yeah so uh you're absolutely right she sees in the window of the tower that she's at you're right sir patrick so a guy that's supposed to be in england and she he's saying some really strange things to her uh like he he knows her a little bit more than what sir patrick was letting on to be and uh, she realizes now it is revealed that ludendorff wasn't Ares, but sir patrick was all along right so now she's thinking well
1: i killed the wrong guy yes Uh, but now this is Ares, so hey maybe this will stop the war right but they have this little moment where she's going to kill him with the sword
0: yes yes and he like breaks the sword right it goes through him it doesn't go through him it just kind of melts as he as she plunges it into him we find out that the sword was never the god killer No, but we do find out who the god killer is. Yes, and it turns out that Diana herself is the god killer, and that in this world of logic, only a god can kill another god. And so Diana was created specifically for that task, that at the last moment before Zeus's untimely demise by Ares, he gave life to that uh, lump of clay that Hippolyta crafted and created Diana. And so her purpose... She is the living weapon that is going to that's supposed to take out Ares. Well, and it makes perfect sense if Ares took
1: out all the other gods. Yeah. If that god could kill other gods, then yeah. I guess it must mean that Wonder Woman is a god or a goddess. Right. So she has the power.
0: Right. The woman yeah that's another series that is that is yeah so we're working on that revelation now so diana obviously is kind of unsure about what to happen she thinks that he's lying that he's deceiving her but uh she puts the lasso of truth around him and he explains a little bit more about what's going on here i am not God of war, Diana, I am the God of truth.
5: Mankind stole this world from us. They ruined it day by day. And I, the only one wise enough to see it, was left too weak to stop them. All these years, I have struggled alone whispering into their ears, ideas, inspiration for formulas, weapons. (sighs) But I don't make them use them. They start these wars on their own. All I do is orchestrate an armistice I know they cannot keep in the hope they will destroy themselves. But it has never been enough. Until you. When you first arrived, I was going to crush you. But I knew that if only you could see what the other gods could not Then you would join me, and with our powers combined, we could finally end all the pain, all the suffering, the destruction they bring. And we could return this world to the paradise it was before them. Forever. I...
2: I could can never be a part of that.
0: My dear,
5: I don't want to fight you. But if I must...
0: So... This, uh, it, it, there's a lot of interesting things said here. So it's revealed that Ares is not responsible directly. He actually is kind of putting things into place and people are just, by their own human nature, destroying themselves, right? Right,
1: and he was hoping that they would just kill each other off. Right. We saw during that, there, while he was speaking, there was a part in there where he kind of pushed the paper to Dr. Poison that right. showed her what she needed to do to the mustard gas to yep. he gave her the whatchamacallit, the uh For- inspiration, formula. the formula to make her formula successful. Right. So he was kind of acting kind of like Satan, somewhat.
0: Yeah. I-, I would say it's more like Satan at this point. Uh, definitely right not
1: earlier
0: yeah yeah and the other thing that's interesting is that he views humanity as a blight on the planet that needs to be eradicated and if we just got rid of all the humans uh the world would be perfect
1: right he shows there's a picture as he's talking yeah of this dark dingy war and all this bad stuff and how yeah he changes it to like a garden of eden type of yeah. scenario
0: Yeah. And interestingly enough, there are people out there who also share that same conviction. These uh, people who are extreme environmentalists will uh, believe that humanity is the worst thing to happen to the planet and that we all need to basically destroy society and stop killing the planet where um, obviously that also is not biblical as well. Uh, God gave us the planet. He says, subdue it, take care of it. And it means we do take care of it, but we don't destroy ourselves in the process. Right. And the bottom line is that we need to do a better job of taking care of it
1: and of taking care of ourselves. Sure. I have to say, since I've retired and I've been exercising every day, you know, going to the gym and working out and what have you, Yeah, it is all for my health to get better and for me to be a better person and to be able to do important things that I need to do. Yeah. But it's also... You know, the blueprint that we have tells us that we need to eat the right foods, uh, exercise, drink lots of water, take care of ourselves, get plenty of sleep. You know, there's this whole plan that we need to do that. But there's also things that we need to do with our environment around us. Sure. But just like the people that have dogs instead of children, Uh we can't go overboard Right. Too much either way. Right? You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. People that would spend, you know, thousands of dollars on their animals to get them uh, or take them to get their nails painted. Yeah. What have yeah. you. You know, I love animals to some extent, but not to that point. You know, right. I think that's going overboard. And it could be the same thing with the environment. You go, you can go way overboard with that, too.
0: Right. Yeah, so here we get the transformation from Sir Patrick into Ares, and you get this full armor and everything. And I got to say that this, to me, completely took me out of the movie. So you're telling me this pasty Anglo dude is the god of war. Really? Right, well... It was ridiculous.
1: It was his deception. Yeah. Once they
0: put the armor on him, he was a lot bigger and a lot stronger looking. But he still had that goofy mustache and that that same face. Like, I would think that if you wanted to make like Ares, I mean, you at least make him look Greek, right? Uh,
1: Yeah, you would think. But no, this is where, this is how they decided to do it. And it was kind of, you know, unless you were looking for it, there was a lot of action going on during that. Yeah, And they did not really show that. Clo- uh, close-up that much, you know? Yeah, yeah. There was a lot more with him a little bit further away. Yeah. And full body. And he did look pretty ominous as a full, in full yeah. armor and what have you. you yeah, know?
0: That, that is one thing I will say that I appreciate that they didn't do. So, like, what they could have done is they could have gone the full CG route and turned him into something stupid and uh, amorphous like the uh, Incubus of uh, last week. So I'm glad they didn't do that but at the same time I would have liked uh, Sir Patrick to have been just a, a facade a mask uh, if you will or even like a magic mask and then once uh, he's revealed to be Ares he turns into like this imposing giant greek god like figure that's what I would have liked to have seen
1: right which he never in the animated versions yeah he he's never Depicted as a human at all, right? Right. He's always a god of war, right? You know, yeah. But like you said, there is an excellent, excellent scene. Big explosion. Diana can't hear anything. Yes. Steve comes up to her, and is talking with her, and all she's hearing is wa 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 Right. But he gives her his
0: watch, and then he takes off. Right. He gets onto the plane that's carrying all of the uh, the mustard gas, and he's able to subdue the pilots and the air crew, and so now he has control of the plane, and he's driving it higher and higher in the sky.
1: Yes, and uh, still there's uh, some fighting going on, but Diana looks up, and she sees what happens to Steve, and she just starts... Wait a minute! I'm I'm going to getting too far ahead of myself here. No, you're
0: not. You're you're right on. It's it, this is what happens,
1: right? And I think he throws a bomb down to the hangar where they had stored the mustard gas.
0: Yeah, they end up do. They, uh they destroy the work there. Doctor Maru gets away, and like you said, uh, that, that's the other guys do that. They're successful in, in destroying the rest of the work, so they can't replicate the, that mustard gas. And so the, the last of it's in that plane, and like you said, Steve. Is in the plane. He's flying higher and higher. And uh, he has this look on his face, almost like uh, humorous, as he uh, takes out his pistol and fires on the gas to have it explode in air.
1: Right. Because he had mentioned it or talked with the other guys. Yeah. Yeah. And asked them if the hydrogen was explosive. And they said yes. Yeah. And so that's where he got the idea to do
0: that. Yeah, if you just asked the uh, the Rocketeer, he would have found that out. He would have known that already. Yeah, <laughs> true that, you know. But again, not, well,
1: you know what, Disney, it would be a crossover, there'd be a problem.
0: Yeah, not to mention that, you know, that happened in the 30s and not the uh, the teens, so. Right, right, that's true.
1: Well, maybe the Rocketeer knew that because of Tr- Steve Trevor. There you go. <laughs> da dum bump. never know. yeah. yeah. Anyways, Diana sees that and goes ballistic.
0: Yeah, that, that really upsets her. And she she immediately wants to get revenge. And so the soldiers that are still on the ground, she goes through all of them. Like she charges through, deflects all of their bullets, takes them all out, punches them, and just lays them all out. And basically, that's exactly what Ares wanted her to do in the first place. He's manipulating her at this point, And he's goading her into taking a tank, lifting it up above her head, and throwing it onto Dr. Maru, who has uh, gotten to this point as she was escaped where her work was. And so the way that he wants to manipulate Diana is to kill Dr. Maru so the war can go on and destruction still happens.
1: Right, and actually during that whole thing, we get this uh, wind blowing in Dr. Maru's mask, comes off her face, her, her bottom part of her face, and uh, yep. Diana gets to see what she, who she really is and what she really looks like. Yeah. And again, she got this tank over her head ready to smash her up. Right. Or at least Ares wants her to do that.
0: Exactly. But then she... And this part I didn't really understand, but we get this flashback to just a couple minutes ago where Steve is trying to tell her the things that he was going to tell her before he left onto the plane. And she actually is able to understand what he said now for whatever reason. But, you know, basically, I love you. I'm leaving. I have to do this. And there's no time. And uh, this, is, uh, I, you can do more good than I can at this point. This is what I have to do. And that changes her. And so she ends up not throwing the tank on Dr. Mars. She just throws it to the side and she realizes that aries is the real target that she has to take out
1: yes like i said there he is there's like this dialogue that he's talking with her if i'm not mistaken yeah yeah let's about listen to that human beings
0: exactly yeah. yeah so we'll listen to that and we'll talk about it afterwards you're wrong
2: about them so much more.
0: And it turns out uh, he doesn't. He he's he is not successful. And she bests him. And the battle is over. And Ares is vanquished. Before we move on from that, though, and talk about the implications after that exchange, what do you think about what she said? It's not about deserve. It's about what you believe.
1: Well, that's a that's a good point. Kind of in a way, what we deserve is death, but the gift of God, you know, is eternal life. Yeah. You uh, know, it's uh, it's not about what we deserve, right?
0: Yeah. And, and I guess. No, you, you totally are going where I was gonna go, so I'm, I'm tracking with you 100%. But the the weird thing about it to me is that it doesn't make sense in the context they're talking about. I, I, I don't... Uh, I... I so, I agree. So let's let's think of, and you're absolutely right, 100%. I, I definitely want to echo what you just said. It's not, you know, if we were to get what we were to deserve, we would deserve eternal punishment for offending a holy God, the thrice holy God, right? And yes. it's only because of his grace and mercy and the sacrifice of God the Son we're able to have communion with the Father and spend the rest of eternity with him, right? It's, it's not about deserve, it's about belief. And absolutely. if we put our belief uh, in Christ— we will experience eternal life. That's that is the gospel in and of itself. What I don't understand is there is no belief necessary for Wonder Woman for Wonder Woman to save them. Like I, I don't understand that. Like our, not about well, what she's again that's from I think that's
1: a previous part of the movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I know Steve says you know, that to that, her. Yeah.
1: Right. I think that she said that because she was thinking about Steve at the time.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I believe you know? in love, and I'm like, okay, all right, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's one of
1: it's the thing that you know her belief was that if she killed Aries, that man would go back to being good. Yeah, and it was her belief that that was what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, we got to that point where. Steve was telling her that you know maybe not everybody is good, right? But she was uh, was of her belief that if she took care of Aries, that yeah. man would
0: be good, right? And, and it turns out that uh, it, it that was true um, at, at the end of the day for this story. That once Ares is uh, taken out, which she does do again uh, as a callback to her training on the island, she you know pushes her bracelets together and it just reflects all the the laser beams that he was shooting at her back at him and it destroys him. So obviously, a nice callback to her training, which is which was cool. But yeah, after that, the the war is over, and I I do believe that the reason why it is is because he was the one orchestrating the armistice between the two uh, factions and that without him to manipulate it in the way to where it results in more war, he couldn't, it just kind of ran its course at that point and the armistice assigned and the war's over.
1: Right. Well, it wasn't an armistice after that. The, uh, yeah, uh, war was going to be over because an armistice is just like I said, a ceasefire.
0: That's a good point. That's a good point. And, And the other part is that Ludendorff is gone. So he can't from his side do the, uh,
1: Right. Uh, yeah. Unlike reality when he was actually there after the war. and
0: uh, Yeah, that's a good point. Blaming the
1: Jews and uh, the Bolsheviks for all the, the reason they lost the war because of those nasty backstabbers. Now, what so that, they
0: do. that you bring up a fascinating point. So I wonder if in the DCEU there was a World War II. I mean, think about it. If, if Ludendor was in league with Hitler... Would Hitler kind of been laughed away if he didn't have the support of Ludendorff? Because I think, you know, as a historical figure, he had a lot of respect with the German people because of his, you know, tenure with the German army, right?
1: Right, right. That's true. That's ah, true.
0: I don't know. We'll ah. have to, I wonder do,
1: do, 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 do.
0: if they'll ever address that. And if that's the case, that would be the other thing, is that what happened— if that's the case with uh, Diana, uh, what, how did she contribute to that in World War II? But that, that no, story for day. that's some speculation. Anyway, so that part of the story is finished and over, and we get back to the present again. And this is the end of the movie, and Diana has yet another monologue over some scenes. So let's listen to that, and then we'll uh, we'll close it out.
2: I used to want to save the world to end war and bring peace to mankind. But then I glimpsed the darkness that lives within their light and learned that inside every one of them, there will always be both. A choice each must make for themselves, something no hero will ever defeat. And now I know that only love can truly save the world. So I stay, I fight, and I give. For the world I know can be. This is my mission now.
3: Forever.
0: Sorry, I had to leave the uh, score and the. Oh uh, yes, break.
1: definitely. I was hoping you would do that. <laughs> that, that is just—it is so great the way they do that. They did that in uh, Batman v Superman.
0: Yeah, I'd have to say, and th- that—that's definitely the most exciting part of Batman v Superman is when she enters. That theme plays, and you know, a- as superhero themes go. Um, it's very different from a lot of them, especially if you compare it with Batman and Superman traditionally with their orchestrated versions. This one it features the electric guitar, and I, I really yeah, it's like it. Good, it's good.
1: <laughs> the musical score and theme for this movie was uh, excellent. Uh huh. Throughout the entire movie, everything fit orchestrated with
0: the right moods yeah. at the right times. Uh, yeah,
1: was done real well.
0: Yeah, I agree. The it, it's interesting that we you know, we talked a little bit about this in the beginning and I think that what makes this movie so successful as a DC film is that this is this doesn't have any baggage that Superman or Batman have from a film perspective. If we think about Man of Steel and you have Cavill, Henry Cavill, him portraying Superman, but he's not the first, he's not even the second, he's not uh technically He is the third, but not really, if you think about that one Nicolas Cage movie that never got off the ground. Um, (laughs) Uh, Okay. Yeah, you're true. True. We have to talk about that one anyway. And then the same thing with Batman. You know, Batman's been played by Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, George Clooney, and uh, what's his name? Christian Bale. And all of these, everybody has these different expectations about how these characters should be portrayed in film. And we didn't have any of that with Wonder Woman because she's never had a movie. And, you know, I think that worked in its favor of being uh, as good as it was.
1: Yes. Right. Well, like I said, there was a earlier movie. Right. A live action movie with a uh, actually another uh, I think it was uh, Miss America. Uh-huh. And uh, her name is like off of my head at the moment. But also with Linda Carter doing the TV show. Yeah, but like you said, uh, movie wise, no, yeah. uh, there was nobody to set the bar.
0: Yeah, and I would say that the, the from the TV perspective, that we've already been conditioned for expectation wise to not have uh, the same expectations from television to film because of Batman, right? Because we, uh, from when I was a little kid, all, all of our con- all of my context for Batman was the Adam West version. And then, when the Michael Keaton came out in eighty nine everything was totally subverted at that point, point. and we so you know I think people know hey it's not going to be the same thing t v movies are totally different, and so but the it's the same thing with who played i'm trying to remember there was there was somebody else who played Superman in Superman Returns, right, and I forget who that was oh
1: yes, yes, actually, yes, and uh I know who it is. he plays the Adam on legends of tomorrow huh he also played another a french comic book character called dylan dog okay his name is uh brandon isn't it brandon oh my gosh i'm
0: (laughs) drawing a blank well anyway to suffice to say he wasn't he couldn't have filled the shoes of christopher reeve i mean that's just that's just uh so we had the expectations there from that and so, like I said, I think some of the Superman Brandon movies, Roth. Brandon there Roth. There you go. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. That's, I'm really impressed that you got that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, and so I think that that definitely worked in his favor. And, you know, that's good. So um, I think I covered pretty much everything from a, a story and thematic elements, from movie we, we talked all about, mankind, how the Bible says that we are versus how this movie says that we are. Um, we talked about it's not about deserve, it's about what you believe. And that, that's pretty much kind of the main takeaways that I had from the film. What about you?
1: Yes, I, I felt that uh, there were a lot of snippets in there where you could see a biblical reference there. Yeah. But again, for the most part, I attempted to watch it for its entertainment value and to try and see things that I hadn't seen previously. Uh huh. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like I said, it was a definitely a good movie. Mm-hmm. Reading all of the uh, things about Marston and uh, you know his lifestyle, it was somewhat of a bummer to to read some of that stuff. Yeah. And also all of the different things, like you said, we know we knew ahead of time his value of women,
0: right? Right. And
1: how he felt that they, you know got the short end of the stick right you know in some areas i would have to agree with that but only there are some women that are forced to take the position as being the breadwinner and doing certain things and i agree that they should if they are doing a equivalent job and they're doing it the same or superior as to their male counterpart that it should be Equally compensated.
0: Oh, sure. Yeah. There's no, I don't think there's any disagreement about that. What
1: I didn't care too much for, like I said, is they made a lot of attempts to make Wonder Woman. They actually, in the UN, they even tried to pass a, a law or a version or whatever, where Wonder Woman would be the standard figure for women's rights through the world, you know? Uh-huh. Right. Or they, had, they had some agenda. Yeah. that they were trying and they actually had uh both Linda Carter and uh Gall to be there amongst other people the director of the movie they were all in front of the UN trying to yeah make more of it than what they did yeah which leads me to a question of is that why the Captain Marvel movie was the way that it was
0: you know that's a good question i well <laughs> I, I think I'm gonna have a lot to say about that movie uh, when we get to it. Um, there, there are some and I and we're gonna be forced, not forced, but you know I think you have to just it logically follows that we'll have to actually compare these two stories together. Uh, there's There's lots of things that they go in directions that are different and th- there's it, it asks a lot of similar questions, but I think they answer them in very different ways. So, um, like you said, I would agree with that. It, it, and it's not to say that strong female characters don't have a place in the cinema. We're not saying that. In fact, I would say immediately comes to mind, you know, a character like Ripley in the alien series. If you look at uh, storm in the X-Men, uh, movie, not in the movies, but in the books, if you look at, I'm trying to think of some. other, I mean, there, there's plenty of other examples. Sarah Connor Terminator series. I mean, there, there's there's ways to do strong female characters well. That doesn't seem to be like a hack way, um, and not like, correct. Yes, you know, but yes. um it's it's not. We'll, we'll get to those. We'll, we'll get to those. Um, and uh, y-
1: right. And again, I'm I'm saying, we knew ahead of time what Marston's agenda was. Yes, from his writing. And basically, you know, was this movie trying to go full tilt in that direction and just didn't get there? Yeah. Or is that they decided that, again, like I said, uh, they marketed it the same way they marketed Supergirl, the TV show. Yeah. And they were so surprised uh, when they first marketed Supergirl to find out how many female uh, superhero viewers that they had yeah and uh, so i don't know if that sent him down this direction
0: yeah yeah to to answer your question about marston i i i didn't see it in this movie the the influence as much uh for marston i mean obviously the character uh herself uh does have some of those things but a lot of the other things that marston has said in interviews and quotations from him didn't make it to the movie, in my opinion, you know, you see a lot of that influence in the early books where he was more involved. But once, you know, you get to the, you know, 60s and 70s, uh, specifically the 70s, when they try to give her a re- remake or revamp her totally. Uh, right. You know, they they stray far away from Marston's original vision. And uh, nowadays, I, and I should say that that's the other thing about me as a weakness. I don't ha- I don't keep up with the books in D.C., so I can't really say exactly how faithful they are to his original vision. Right. Well,
1: she's also way different uh, when they went with the new 52. Yes. I was going to mention that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that is also a different writer because they did have a different writer in the eighties also. Uh And I'm going to be interested to see if when the next, uh, wonder woman, 1984 comes out, if they use the version from the eighties.
0: Yeah, we'll have to see. Um,
1: I know they took a little bit of the each version for this particular movie. Uh-huh. Uh huh. They took a little bit from each particular version. Yeah to, yeah. to make this character. Yeah. So maybe that's why it's not totally true to Marston's vision.
0: That could be. Yeah. I think it's that's fair. possible. All right. Let's uh, let's close it up. So let's um, give it the old score and figure it out. I'm going to. I'll go first because I think you went first last week. I'm giving this movie a seven. It's certainly above average. The production values are incredible. And like I said, um, Wonder Woman doesn't suffer the same baggage as the other big three uh, or uh, the other two of the big three in the DC universe. And because of that, I think it definitely worked in its advantage. They had a lot more potential to work with. And so, like I said, well done. Gal Gadot is perfect as Wonder Woman. She does an amazing job. Her uh, accent mannerisms is exactly what I would expect for uh, a Greek demigod or god, goddess. I'm very, very excited about uh, Wonder Woman 84 uh, when it comes out. That's seven for me. Well, good. I'm glad that
1: you're doing that above average. I'm going to... uh, I kind of had a feeling that you were going to go around there. I'm going to tell you, though, I'm going to one-up you. It's definitely an eight for me. Okay. Between the storyline, there were times... Where I saw shades of Steve Rogers with the music when they were dancing and the, uh, uh, oh yeah, yeah. It made me think about some of those things I enjoyed. The orchestration was done very well. Uh, All the fight scenes. I uh-huh. uh, had the correct type, uh, the movie, the music would just, it flowed so perfectly and it would build up at the right times. Mm-hmm. And I definitely loved all of the scenes. Uh, this Themyscira was done beautifully. right? It just uh, was like this beautiful utopia-like yeah. era. And then they took you from there to london and it was dark and dingy yeah everything was done beautiful the costumes were very nice i liked the wonder woman outfit it was yep. uh definitely much more uh what's the word that i want to use it was not as skimpy as uh linda carter's wonder woman uniform uh huh you know it yeah, was yeah. done a lot better I think. Okay, so uh, I
0: have to ask you now, based on your, your comments, uh, would you rather spend time... Or would you, where would you rather have a vacation? Themyscira or Asgard?
1: Oh, definitely Asgard, man. <laughs> I, as long as I didn't have to walk the bridge. Yeah. You know, if I could get a ride on a horse to there, that would be great, you know? Yeah, yeah. Maybe one of those Clydesdales from... Uh, the anheuser bush that would be a great thing you know yeah but which i actually when i was in high school we went to bush gardens and they had a uh, a statue of the uh clydesdales uh-huh. and i actually have a picture uh, i climbed actually although you weren't supposed to i climbed up on the clydesdale and had my picture taken on the horse Cool. You know, it wasn't real, and I got in a little bit of trouble for that. But I do have that picture somewhere. Awesome, I'll have to find it. But yes, back to my eight. Yeah. Uh, Storyline, well, Pike was definitely a good uh, Steve Trevor. All of the parts were played real well. Mm. I enjoyed them all, even uh,
0: Angelica Houston's half brother. Yeah. Know? So right. they all all did well. Cool. Very cool. All right. So even though we didn't get a teaser or anything, no, this movie has been kind of uh, leading up to the big crossover film for the DCEU. So let's say we uh, we will take that next week. Does that sound good? Yes, definitely. Oh, and I wanted to say uh,
1: also this film basically was started off to be a prequel to the Batman v. Superman.
0: Yeah, I can see that.
1: Yeah, so they done that, and also I'm guessing that the other one that we have after the next DC, see you after the, our next one. Uh huh. I think that was also a prequel.
0: I think you're right. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll talk about that uh, in good time. All right, ready? To yep. go? I'm ready. All right. Well, we want to thank you for joining us for another episode of Pops Collection. If you have any feedback, please email us at pops at gmail dot com. We'll see you next week where we will discuss Justice League. Goodbye and God bless.
1: Yes, uh, goodbye. Uh, Tell your friends and uh, God bless you.